Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board certified physicians who can prescribe FDA approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, welcome to The Ruck. And we have a baby in the studio. This is, um, this is something for first, and we're going to see how it catches on. But uh, Alex Lowe dropped out late this morning. He's not feeling well, so we, we got a better replacement. And this is... Ella Peters, who is how how old, Sam? She's six months old. Six, six months. We're going to turn to her for some views on the new breakdown rules later on. <laughs> uh, uh, I'm Owen Slot, and yes, I'm back from Montpellier. Last great trip. Thank you very much. Uh, no Steve Jones today. Um, I think we can say he's stuck in Datchet, which um, is generally what we say when he's not here. Sounds like a euphemism, but uh, I understand that emotionally he's unable to podcast uh, when Harry Kane has a hamstring issue. Um, he's uh, that, that is Ella. Ella, we'll get on to you in a minute. Steve's also very stroppy that Don Armand, uh, the latest lover of his life, has been cold-shouldered by uh, Eddie Jones. Um, so we'll talk about that uh, a bit as well. Um, so in his absence, we have today uh, a debut from Sam Peters and his daughter. Uh, Sam, great to have you here. Sam is new to the Sunday Times, uh, formerly of the Mail on Sunday. Uh, Sam uh, has been a rugby writer for a number of years, but um, more and better than anyone else, he's uh, written about concussion. When he started writing about concussion, it seemed like he was banging a drum that everyone wanted him to uh, pipe down on a bit. Be fair to say that, Sam? I didn't ever pick that up at all, though. Not at all. Well, no. anyway, <laughs> uh, we are now all firmly on the bandwagon, so um, <clears throat> congratulations on that. You have definitely led that, and that is a very, very important part of our work now. Uh, so great to have you here, Sam. And also, today, uh, we have our first ever um, uh, podcast contributor who has his name on a banknote um ben what what banknote is it it's the it's t- t- seven dollar piece seven <laughs> seven dollar note and the 50 cent coin yeah. so those congratulations two, yeah. i i i'm gonna get one done soon um as it's, well sam any plans for to be on a banknote no but do you have one in your um like in your house you must have framed banknotes i don't have anything of any <laughs> rugby memorabilia in the house some oh, sort no. of one of the yeah I, I find that a little bit awkward when you go in someone else's house and they have all that sort of stuff around it's not even in the toilet but i do have a wad of them that the reserve bank of fiji gave me that's pretty sizable that i with it with the most expect what's the what's the biggest current of currency that you're on the, uh, $7, which is about £2.50. Right. Yeah. So in, in, Fiji, in Fiji, you could buy... Uh, we get a coffee with that. For $7, or you get three coffees, probably. It's nice It's nice actually spending, buying something with your face on. You know, you, you're using a, a bill with your face on. is quite, quite Yeah, fun. I know what you mean. Yeah. It gets a bit boring <laughs> after a while. So, yeah, 
yeah, it's, that's what Fiji's crazy about rugby. So you know, there's all sorts of things that have happened since the Olympics that they've they've made sure that they're not going to forget that win for a long time. I think. So okay. how many of those? What's what's a Fiji player going to get paid for per match? In this, in this, <laughs> per match, they won't get anything per match or even. And the boys, the, tour, the boys in the tour will get. Last time it was two hundred Fijian a day, so sixty-five quid a day. Right. Okay. And then their win bonuses, maybe they might get a match appearance of a thousand, which will be about three hundred quid. So yeah, I mean, 30, look, thirty-five Ben Ryan notes. Yeah, thirty-five of those. I mean, <laughs> I don't think, I don't think that. Yeah, they probably want some hard cash, US dollars, probably. But uh, no, they're they're there. I mean, their match fees. I'm sure we'll talk about that later. Mm. But for the Pacific boys, it's. Uh, it's on a completely different level. A lot of those guys will lose money probably mm. by not playing for their clubs over over that November internationals. But they do it for the the love of the game and wanting to play for Fiji. And it's a, it's a pretty decent side now. My introduction though w- w- was painfully uh, woeful. In, in, in we, here we are talking about Ben on the face of a of a, of a bill, and we and we haven't even said exactly who he is. If you haven't worked it out, um, Ben Ryan's joined us in the uh, podcast today. This is Ben, who was the coach of uh, the Fiji men's 17 that won the Olympic gold medal one of the uh, best days of the Olympics as far as I was concerned and probably for you as well <laughs> it'd be fair yeah, to say no, it'd be fair a to wonderful say. day that was uh, outstanding to see a great team just show why they are great that's what one of the reasons I loved it so much that day talked about everyone knew what they could do and they went out and they delivered it yeah, I didn't, and probably on the touchline, uh, hand on heart, really, I, w- I, w- I wasn't. It wasn't in the top ten moments of you know tournaments where you're feeling nervous. So, I, a fate I'm not necessarily aligned to, but I do think there was a you know we were so well prepared and so competent that it didn't really matter what anyone else did. The boys were going to be good enough, and you know, and some of those guys are doing amazing things at the moment. And Josh Tuasova for too long. Um, and of course the human lamppost Leone Nakarawa mm. who really shouldn't be playing sevens at 120 kilograms plus but um, plays on his own time zone and does things just magnificently so we've got those sort of guys and, and an emerging superstar in Semi Kunatani who Toulouse chucked on the wing for no apparent reason <laughs> and now have actually put him in the back row where he can do his thing and um, getting himself into the first team now he's going to be a real star not just for Toulouse but um, I'm sure we'll be, he's just been named in the Fijian team for the November internationals as well. So watch out whoever's playing against him. We're going to talk at length about Fiji, but but the, one of the questions that since we got onto the the sort of talent that you're talking about already, do you think if Fiji could ever assemble their first fifteen, and I'm taking I'm talking about taking back players like the Karidranis or the Karevis or Nathan Hughes from England or whatever, could, is that a World Cup winning team? I guess you've got to look at front five, haven't you, and see what depth they've got there because we've got some world-class locks floating around that are currently in the side and, and also in other teams. It'd be front row, I suppose. Front but, row is always where Fiji haven't really had, isn't it? Yeah, but the last World Cup, we scrummaged pretty well against Australia and England and you know they, they've, they've invested a lot of time and World Rugby have also you know seen that as a target and, and brought in coaches that have done a really good job on the islands. Um Certainly, I mean, crikey, the, the other position really where we would say we're lacking world class is, is at fly half. What happens generally, all the, the really talented boys that go from Fiji overseas to play professional rugby, they never get put in a position on that spine, you know, especially the backs nine, nine or ten. Mm. If they're a ten or a nine naturally, Matawalu went to Glasgow, just chuck him on the wing. 
Um, we've had a number of players that have come in as tens that have gone into fullback or wing in the lower divisions in France. So they don't get that experience and they don't get that playmaker um, role. And we haven't had anyone since Nicky Little in Fiji that has has steered the ship effectively. Ben Volavola is the current incumbent that's playing a bit of Super Rugby. Um, but really no one of, of, of real class. It's one or two floating around now. The fly half in the sevens uh, world Olympic team was outstanding and he's hopefully going to get a contract overseas, but got to play him at 10. And that, so that's that's the area, you know, they put them, they, you know, there's a lot of fly halves floating around, but they're not playing fly half. And so they, you can't expect them to go straight into international rugby and, and do their bit. Plus, you know, you need to have them like Argentina and, you know, their, their homegrown players are now playing locally and playing Super Rugby. Mm. Fiji need that as well because it's not just about the talent. You do need time together to to gel them. And until you have a professional team on the islands, you know, when really realistically they're not going to be consistent quarterfinalists or better in World Cups. So you think that's the limit? The way things stand, they're always there's always yeah. a ceiling that they can't punch through. That's that's exactly right. That you know, they're both both in terms of resource. You know, they haven't got the money, um, and when we do get the money, it's not always spent in the best way. And they haven't got time with players. You know, that the regulations will release players for big uh, tournaments and for, for for test match windows, but the very minimum. You know, so they'll get them on the very first day. Whereas England, with the EPS agreement, and everything else they've managed to get their players at different times of, you know they're mm. off to Portugal today and Fiji just don't get that they get the minimum so you see in World Cups they'll get better and better as the World Cup goes on because they've had more time together whereas other, other teams are perhaps doing the opposite Fiji are getting better uh, and, and if there was a Super Rugby franchise they would they would kill it and they've just been in this Australian competition where they're going into the knockout rounds now and they've had a, f- a few up and down results but ultimately they've gone really well with a fairly scratch side and it shows the promise of having a Pacific, and you could have a Pacific Island 15 to start with in the Super Rugby, with academies in Samoa and and Tonga. Uh, and unfortunately, that was on the cards, and I had even gone to the point of meeting Super Rugby. Well, I remember this time a year ago, you yeah. were really on that one, weren't had, you? Had had backers, had backers that you know had serious money that we had verified um, through escrow accounts and stuff like that, and then went to Super Rugby, and they gave me the, the you know said, "Yep, yeah, we'll we'll." We'll take a proposal and all that was happening and then Fiji Rugby Union just told me to leave it leave it alone told Serious? Me to step back. just said like you're no longer part of the Fiji Rugby Union so it's no longer your business and I, I thought at the time with all the other things going on I'll, I'll, I'll do that and step back Sam that that would have been one of the all time game breakers wouldn't it if that had got over the line it would have been phenomenal I mean that, that's just such a shame I think so many people look at the island nations and and realise the the just natural resources that are there is just astonishing. You only have to cast your eye around European professional rugby now to see just how many islanders are playing over here, earning a living over here, um, and also how much the clubs are sort of proactively going out there to to see these guys. There's so, I know it's it's probably cliche to say that the nat- there's so many natural athletes out there, the f- phenomenal skills. I mean, if you could pull that all together and it's sort of so frustrating because we hear it year after year after year. You know, they come over, we hear the stories, there'll be stories again and there already have been about how little money these guys will earn mm. when they're here. And if you just gave them a level playing field in every sense, anybody who's watched rugby for any amount of time knows that they have got the talent within those islands. To, I mean, they already massively punch above their weight mm. around the, the world of rugby 
talking about rugby mm. league before as well, but union. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a huge amount of goodwill, but goodwill does only gets you so far, doesn't it? So, and we'll get these blips. We will get do get a bit more press in November internationals when Samoa play England mm-hmm. or uh, Fiji have got a Test match against one of the tier ones, and then it disappears again. Then it mm. goes again at, Olymp- at World Cups, um, and really nothing, nothing genuine has happened. In the we've had changed the eligibility rules, mm-hmm. which is which is great as far as Fiji will will hold a few boys that will play test match rugby for Fiji but it's still not solving the ultimate problem which is they're not they you know we need a professional team in Fiji yeah. and um yeah the the union needs to do its do its do, do a fair bit itself as well to try to drive standards because you know not nothing they can't they can't look at the rest of the world and say it's everyone else's fault there's lots of stuff that's gone on in the, in the union that um, you would shake your head at. One um, of the most frustrating things to hear from me, and which I just, I mean, frustrating, I just think it's completely unacceptable to hear that guys are going to have to play for the love of the country. And, you know, as lovely and romantic a notion as that is, it's just not good enough in a professional sport. And, you know, where what what is going to be done to prevent this from happening where, where players aren't going to have to take pay cuts to come and actually, you know, what what's, I mean, I'm... I'm shouting a little bit but you know are world rugby going to step in here how do, how is there a solution ben to mean that guys don't leave their clubs and and don't end up having to do it for the love well, of the world j- rugby of the have just prodded around at the edges of this for, so. for years yeah. as you say every every year the the islanders come over for for some tier 1 test matches in november and don't get a chance to prepare properly it's it's just minimal measures that aren't making any impacts. Having been on the ground there for, for three years, I know World Rugby are doing some very positive stuff. I know that they must find it very hard at times having to have worked with the Fiji Rugby Union. Um, and I'm sure that same goes for the other unions in the Pacific that have had all sorts of problems. And they've tried political involvement in there. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, look, Frank, whose PM is in charge, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, but you know, and his, fa- his son in law is. Uh, is the chairman, mm. um, you know, and uh, on public, you know, it's, it's public that he, you know he was convicted of of, uh, of manslaughter, and you know, and that's the guy that's chairman of the union. Mm. Um, so that was your boss. Was my boss, yeah. He he um, kicked and punched someone to death at a wedding. So um, yeah, it's you know, there's 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 a few things at home that we need to to sort out first. Uh, and World Rugby, I guess that's their priority. England missed a massive PR. Um, and they've still got the opportunity to do it in November with Samoa when England played Fiji at Twickenham and they made millions and millions and I think Fiji got a hundred grand from the from Twickenham. Yeah, that was a goodwill. They could have given wasn't it? they could have given them a million, and that that would have been more PR than than than, than the million pounds. And I was at the RFU, you know, when post two thousand eleven World Cup where things went south pretty quickly and they did lots of reports and a lot of it was around. Well, we're not very like very much very very liked in by England by other nations mm. and perceived as being arrogant, perceived as being self-serving, and here's an opportunity to to turn that round immediately. They didn't do it with Fiji. They could do it with Samoa. They won't because they don't have to, and they'll argue that you know until there's sort of a, an edict from World Rugby, then they're not going to do it. But it would it it would it would make a big difference, you know, and and. You know, these are the main players in the world game. England and New Zealand, really, they control so much. Well, I expect them to make another goodwill payment because they, they've sort of sort of set a precedent. But, it, but it's a hundred, you know, fifty, hundred k. It's you know, just, it's, it's not even a dent, is it? Part of the issue here that if that money is given, you know, 
the transparency what's where's the accountability where does the money actually go yeah but but what world rugby do is they set up for high performance unions mm. in the they've set up a, se- a separate account right. bank account mm-hmm. so go in there and then you have to have a secondary signatory yeah. from world rugby so that money won't disappear okay. yeah i mean i remember once i tried to get some money in from from someone that put it into the union in my first year and it took me a couple of weeks to find it because there were 156 bank accounts or something wow. that the fiu had um <laughs> but world rugby have have got a way around that and so yeah you could you could trace the money it's not gonna it's not gonna disappear if if you do it in the right manner if if or if you gave the money to world rugby to then deal out to the to the union it would yeah it'd be, ben, it'd, ben is, there, is there any part of you that so so since you finished the sevens <coughs> you, you you left fiji after the after the olympics mm. and you've done lots of would ask go, go through what work you're doing uh presently in a minute but uh, you've done lots of things since then, and you've resisted the 15s game. Yep. Is there any part of you that would see that Fiji 15 aside as as one of the, one of the great challenges yeah. if you could do something with it? I mean, it, it would be, you know, everyone so loved Fiji do it in the sevens in the Olympics, but to put together a proper team that could challenge at world level at a World Cup or something, we, we've already talked about the reasons why it's next to impossible. Yeah. But, w- but would that be one of the great challenges? A hundred percent, you know. And I, and I think perhaps if I'd stayed and done some work with John, then that might it might have led to that. And yeah, I think if there was a challenge in 15s, it would be the Fiji 15s team. But but you can't just have a team that assembles on the Monday and and then plays on the Friday or you know as happened in the last November games when they played I think the Barbarians in Ravenhill and you know the boys some of the boys had played the previous weekend or even the Monday night it's just not it's just not workable Mm. so you need some sort of runway so that you've got a chance but yeah I think I mean a super rugby franchise based on the islands would be my probably my dream job if I'm honest yeah that would be the dream one and then from there lead on to and doing something with the, with the Fijian team, you need more top table teams in 15s. You know, it's gone back to, in my opinion, you know, only three or four teams capable of winning a World Cup, and we haven't progressed. You know, and you look at the the American team talked about them for decades, moving on from since '87. They've not they've not done that. Neither of Canada um, and some of these other nations are the same. I looked at the Romanian team recently; they've got six or seven Islanders now in that in that Romanian national side. Um, yeah, so we need we need to get we need to get an island. A, a, you say a, it's gone back to that. Was there a time when it was more than that? Well, there was a time where we really felt like there might be an explosion as far as three or four more sides join the you know, and they've had their their moments. Whether it's different teams at different points have sort of got close and not and not held on there, and then have dropped back again. And you know, it's not like sevens where you've got legitimately a dozen sides that hmm. could win a tournament and. Um, and it makes it fascinating the game you know not particularly healthy for a lot of the coaches but for the teams and for the spectators it's great if 15s have that it would be amazing people from outside of rugby I think reasonably bash the sport I mean rugby league we're watching a World yeah. Cup going on at the moment it's even, there's, they've got even a yeah. bigger problem there because there's really, really two possibly three teams that could win that tournament in Union you could possibly stretch it to five maybe six but to really build a World Cup, you've got to have 10, 12, 14 teams. No, I agree. I think it's. I, I, I try when you said it's gone backwards. I think. Well, who who was who was further <coughs> forward? Well, the Canadians at once in in ninety one, Canada had a good team. Mm. 
Um, Argentina have, have, have punched well on some World Cups, and at the moment it doesn't seem that they will do, but it's hard to, to trace where their development is going at the well, moment. South Africa have gone backwards at a pretty rapid rate. Yeah, yeah. as have yeah. USA, mm. if you think about it. You know, we, we always thought that, and you know, their sevens team are the ones really that are pushing on, whereas the fifteens have just gone backwards. So. Yeah, you just you just love to have more and more fighting it out. But you know, you 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 and we could all tell you who the quarterfinalists would be for next World Cup in Japan, and would be ninety five percent correct probably right now. Now you know you can't do that in football mm. for the World Cup. There's no way you'd be able to guess correctly the last sixteen or the last eight um, to that level of of assuredness. So it's it's a it's a bigger story. But certainly, if the Pacific were given more opportunity and more tier one test matches as well then we'd have far more chance for them to be regularly quarter-finalists because, you know, it's um, it's a tough ask at the moment. Is, is that pipe dream of yours to, to run a super rugby franchise? Maybe I'm becoming a bit <laughs> obsessed by it, but I just love the idea so yeah. much. Yeah. Is is there anything left in it, or or is that...? No, I think, if anything, I mean, I, I mean, my conversations with super rugby were, look, you, firstly, you know, they were pretty annoyed that there was all sorts of stuff this time last year about it, and they didn't know about it. And I had done that on purpose. I wanted to get in front of them and I thought the best way to do that was to throw some stories into the media that had some legs and that got me to a, a meeting in Sydney and then you know they they were a little bit frustrated that this story was coming out and they were having internal disputes about what's happening with Australia they're going to be one less franchise South Africa hmm. competition not quite working too much travel convoluted tournament format so they sort of said let's get our house in order first and then we can introduce a super rugby franchise 2022 2021 around there it's like okay that gives plenty of time for the for the for the new stadium that was going to get built on the west of the island and all these various things and then obviously the carpet got got taken away from the FIU but there's now been more clamour again you know the the New Zealand press in particular and the Australian press are, are, are trying to push for a Pacific Island team so you never know Super Rugby may well push hard and and the one thing that that Fiji could do is just government funding they could they could just go oh we'll fund it you know they put 10 million so that three and a half four million a year into just funding a, a, a single golf tournament in Fiji the Fijian Open so they have they potentially could do that as well in the first few years before you get sponsors so it's it's all possible Sam you'd be happy to cover that wouldn't you this I, I think you could twist my arm to go out and do a bit of uh, I think, I think you you're very that. much the man <laughs> yes. very much the man uh, just uh, on the sort of governance of that how that might work then, but would it inevitably be the Fijian Rugby Union as the sort of dominant power that would run it the, no Super Rugby had said to me about that it doesn't have to be right. no it can it can be um can be a franchise and you'd definitely get world rugby on board mm. i mean the one thing to add any sort of gravitas to it all is have them inside the camp as early as possible mm. um it helps on so many different levels and you know fiu all they have to do is allow the games to be played on fijian soil or pacific island soil, you know wherever it is and same for samoa and tonga so that would happen you know because the 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 nations want it i mean the 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 slight issue is that nrl are already seeing this as well and they want a club in in fiji and they're really pushing hard on the islands their recruitment's hard really? um, they they're, they're going to start to play games there and you could have a stadium in fiji before you have for union you have a, a an nrl side and i think fiji rugby league will get quite deep into this tournament as well and they will that will also open up a more opportunity and league will come in through that back door when it's open there for union to do something what's an opportunity that would be missed oh, yeah fingers crossed yeah. You know, uh, uh, yeah 
yeah people have been banging on about this for so long as well you know that fiji and the pacific islands need that support and it would you know be a terrible shame if 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 league did move in on that space because you know money drives a lot of things in life and you can't blame people for if they've you know you've got a family support to support and rugby's your option if it's league or union someone's offering you a big contract yeah why wouldn't you say yes if you've got a family to support Ben, Fiji's first um, uh, <coughs> first game in the they've got uh, Italy and Ireland this autumn. Mm. That Italian game is presumably one they could target, or yeah. or are they all just literally going, as you say, come together after playing over the weekend before for their clubs? Yeah, they will. They'll, they'll come together whenever World Rugby allow that window to start. Um, you know, they 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 beat Italy in Fiji in the summer, I think. Yeah, they did when they they also no they, yeah they did and they beat Scotland as well and those and we started to build some momentum there. You would say at the moment on form Fiji would beat Italy uh, even if it's in Italy. Yeah, um, and then go to Ireland and and have a crack. But um, it will be all about opportunity of those that personnel being put together, you know, and having a, having a bit of time together. Uh, and then again, you know, for me it's that it's that fulcrum of 9-10-12 8 9 10, 12, hmm. where we're we're not quite at world test match level yet especially at halfback good guys coming through some good youngsters but they need to, they, they can't jump from local rugby in Fiji to test match rugby against Ireland and they can't go from on the bench half a dozen appearances at super rugby and then go and and then steer the ship against a tier one side then we need a 10 we need a Nicky Little and you know we can't turn the clock back but we need people of that calibre that can um, and we need to, a couple of them so unfortunately that's probably the November internationals where we might come a little bit unstuck how is Samoa going to do it Twickenham Sam you got some ideas on the, the great new young Samoan players coming through uh, you might have stumped me a little bit there but uh, um, I think <laughs> thanks for that one Owen what, what's your take on that <laughs> no there's, a, there's a, a good new generation on the way well done for sure uh, but but uh, but seriously, they they'll face the the issues that they always do, which is poor preparation, not much time together, and wondering which of their players they're actually going to be able to lay claim to. Because as we all know, some players don't quite make it because they're stuck with their clubs because their clubs incentivise them to do so. Hundred percent, you know. And often you've got a Pacific Islander behind a first ranked player that might go away on Tier One duty for for one of the big teams, and so his contract's incentivised for match fees. It doesn't have to be as anything more than that you know they don't have to say you're staying when there's November internationals you just incentivize and their contracts heavily weighted for big starting match fees and that means that you know for those four or five weeks away they could be losing huge amounts of money it's a it's a big call for them and we've seen like Napoloni Nalanga that's etched out a great career in France that's turned down numerous opportunities to play in for Fiji because of the finances and, and everything else that's um, Ella's view on um, Nalanga. November internationals are, are upon us. England declared their uh, squad uh, last Thursday. Uh, Sam, what was your your view on the the squad that Eddie Eddie Jones put together? Clearly, the sort of the, the headline elements to it were back row, <laughs> average age, not much more than your daughter. Um, uh, so, so some young bucks uh, there. No James Haskell. Mm. So slower evolu- evolution there. Um, Steve Jones's um, best mate Don Armand not there. <laughs> no. um, uh, which I uh, joking, um, but I, w- I agree with Steve. I'm surprised it isn't. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I mean Armand's been absolutely outstanding for 
best part of three years now down at Exeter. And um, yes, yeah, it is a surprise not to see him in there. But Curry's an outstanding young young player. Um, you know, I, I've got to agree with. I feel sad for Haskell in many ways because he's been a terrific servant for English rugby. But I, I do worry that this uh, foot injury is a real problem for him. I, I can't remember hearing him come off the, the pitch and say that he hasn't um, got a problem with that foot pain in that foot, which is going to be with him for the rest of his career. But um, look, it's, it's, it's an interesting autumn in a way because you'd expect England to win all those three games. I know Australia were terrific in the last game against the All Blacks, but they're coming down up here with you know without all their top top guns for sure. Um, and you would expect England to win all three tests. I mean, in many ways. The Wales series of games looks a bit more interesting in talking about developing um, nations coming through. Obviously, they've got Georgia at home as well, which will be good to see, and the, the All Blacks at the end, and, and South Africa and Australia. So, in some ways, you look at those games and think, with Gatlin going back to Wales, it, arguably that series is, is more interesting than England's. That, that's almost like a clever link, isn't it? Because, you, because Ben, you work for Wales, or you sort of work for Wales. Mm. We can, we can, you, you have a, a number of consultancies at the moment, don't you? And yeah. with the WIU is one of them. Yeah, that's right. And, you know, I haven't done much work with them at the moment and work for the, for the French Federation uh, with their sevens teams and, and then various other governing bodies and do various things and ambassador for HSBC and... Uh, um, and work with different organisations around culture and environment, which has been fascinating. It takes me all around the world. I'm really fortunate. I get to see some amazing things that other sports are doing at a much better level than rugby. And then I also think there's lots of things that we do better than lots of other. And, and, and around around culture and environment, I think rugby can be pretty proud about a lot of the things that we do. That's probably probably across the board slightly better but what, um, what yeah. does rugby not do so well that compared to the other sports and uh, and businesses you work with i think things around recovery i think um the performance analysis stuff that that we do in in rugby is very much editing cutting and pasting there's some stuff that's going on that's a little bit more proactive but not to the level that they're doing in the nba or the nfl where they're looking for some as nate silver will see you know that talk about the, the signal and the noise you know we there's there's tons of noise that that we get you get analysis it's about finding that the signals are really important things that can change the game can change the way you want to play and i i'm all about having a, a simple uh, framework for everything you do but actually what I'm seeing in some of these high-end, high-performing sporting teams is they're doing that as well. They have the money to have every gadget that you can want. Which is what England have in rugby as well, but, though. But you've got to find... You've got to keep it simple, you know, so that you don't have so many whistles and bells that you get lost in it all. And, you know, you, I think what lots of teams have been doing, they've found themselves in that position and then realised, hold on, we need to strip this down and keep it simple and only have the things that we find a... Uh, of huge benefit to us to to get those golden nuggets of signals that um, lots of teams will, will too much too much going on. Um, I think probably if you look at the top of the Premiership, Saracens probably do that better than everyone else, and lots of different ways. Their culture is probably the best in the Premiership. Um, you know they have that installation day where they then they'll put their which which happens in NF, every NFL team in the country where they'll they'll put their game plan together for the opposition on the Tuesday or whatever it is, and they'll. They'll they'll thread that through with a very well played out story, that all the players are then on, on the same 
sheet about because in professional sport that, that, that golden word of alignment is what you need all the time and probably Saracens have that better than anyone else and I guess you could argue maybe the All Blacks do a little bit although I'd probably just say they've got better players at the moment How could rugby improve recovery other than play less fewer games? I mean it's, it's, it's sort of yeah. the, the ever ongoing conundrum isn't it? I mean it's, it's the power the power is with the in America, it's different. You know, you, you know, you literally get off a court and get on a plane and go somewhere else, and and there's no there's no choice in that. The players don't moan about it. They get they get really good at their recoveries. It's almost the number one thing they do in the NBA, better than anyone else, because of the amount of games. And to a lesser extent, obviously, it happens in baseball, but the injuries are um, aren't as varied as as basketball. Foot in rugby, like sevens is is different. We need more games. We need more tournaments because there's only the World Series, and we could do with a secondary tournament um, around that. But for fifteens, you know, for me, there's so many things we can do within the game. I, yeah. I just also think it's appalling that we have a law book that has laws in that no one's no one's yeah. bothered about. You know, and, and we're trying to spread the game. We're might making it an accessible game to everyone. But you get in the law book and there's laws that aren't getting... Yeah. If those laws are getting ignored because they're making the game safer or more exciting, you can sort of perhaps turn a blind eye. But when they potentially increase injury, when someone's getting judo rolled, it doesn't matter how many hours in the gym they've done over proprioception. If your leg's trapped in a ruck mm. with bodies on the floor and someone's judo rolling you with a 100-kilogram man rolling you over, your knee's only got one way to go and it's not the atomically correct one and you're going to get injured. And then, and because of all of that, you go backwards. Tackle technique's poor, in my opinion, as well at, at premiership level at the moment because they don't need to tackle well. They just need to whack someone hard and get them on the floor. Often two men tackling, one going ball, one going low and, and we can't have a game like that because you're not going to want the next generation you're not going to want parents to send their kids to play rugby i'm watching like school kids playing at my old school and i'm watching some of the collisions at breakdowns that i, I you're turning away from and they're 13 14 and if i'm turning away from them and i'm pretty you know i've got a lot of experience in the game then what are their mums and dads doing Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. 
Just some last thoughts on on the forthcoming um, uh, November autumn, autumn internationals. Uh, ben, we haven't talked about England uh, very much at all. Where, uh, uh, ben and Sam, where, what's your view on where England stand in in the world at the moment? We've got the All Blacks, who England are avoiding meticulously, but uh, is is that gap uh, is that gap closer? Or it's such a shame, isn't it, that we haven't had anything to measure them? They haven't gone head to head yet. I think everyone would love to see that. I'd like to see by the end of November to see if England have managed to get their 10-12 axis right and decided upon it for World Cup. Because in my opinion, I don't think that Ford Farrell is a World Cup winning 10-12. I see Farrell as a 10. I think we need more opportunity at 12. I love Slade, but I'm not sure whether he's going to get the game time. See what happens with Ben Teo and whether his November internationals, what happens with him. Would you see Slade as a 12? Potentially. Because for, for me, that's one of the, one of the great um, untried options because he's only a 10 or a 13 at, at Exeter. But if you can do both of those things, then you've got the, the ideal skill set for a 12 as well. Yeah, I mean, look, a, 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 for, for me, a world-class 12 needs to be um, a decision-maker, a distributor and a game-breaker. So he needs to have the opportunity to, to make to make a break he, he needs to distribute really well and he needs to make decisions now Henry Slade can do all of those things um, Farrell does it well at 12 I just think I, I'm not sure and I'm you know George is a fine player I'm not sure if he's a world class 10 to win a world cup in my opinion I'll throw um, another D in there is his defence which, which Slade is Excellent defender as well. I think he'd be an outstanding 12 for England, certainly. Um, there's a few. I mean, we just still... I mean, everyone had a crack at Stewart in the last World Cup <laughs> was saying he's messing around with that. He hasn't got it right. We still haven't got it. I haven't, mm. still haven't seen anything stabilised there yet. Now, you well, know, it is stable, isn't it? I mean, Ford Farrell is, is, been a, is Eddie Jones's go-to. I mean, he tinkered with it once on the Australia tour and changed his mind after 26 minutes, wouldn't yeah. he? Um, uh -oh. uh, I, I might have to rephrase it then. I don't think it's a. I don't, you don't think, think it's right. I don't think it's the one that will beat the All Blacks consistently, and that's effectively what he's got to be looking at. Tio's a big loss. I think it would have been fascinating to see what we've mm. done if, if Tio wasn't. I mean, he had an exceptional line store and was a. You know, he looks like an international carrying 12, doesn't he? But uh, if he'd been fit, I think um, Jones would be playing uh, Ford Farrell Tio. Yeah, I think that. Would, I think in his head, that's mm. his ultimate um, uh, midfield. At the yeah, moment, and it's a but, shame uh, that one of the best players I've ever coached is Henry Trinder, and he's now finally get fit mm. and healthy, and he might have a late surge. Mm. Um, he's playing very well. Oh, I was I was at uh, Bath yesterday. I mean, he, he only really had a chance to dazzle in the first twenty minutes, but every time he was on the ball, he, he, yeah. you just love to watch that guy. <laughs> he's a great player, you know. And you know, there's yeah, he's evasive. He's very quick. Um, he's strong. Obviously, he lacks any Test match experience, and and he's got again a short runway if he's going to get in the Test match team. But I just want him to to be injury free for a season and see what he can do at Gloucester. Because um, he's a real talent, you know. He's in that generation. He was in Ben Youngs, mm. Courtney Laws, oh, tremendous player. Sharples generation. You feel that. That, I mean, you know, God forbid it doesn't go that way. But you know, Will Fraser was a. He could be a sort of three quarters equivalent to Will Fraser, who everyone knows if they can get 18, 20 games out of him in a season, then he's going to be right up there in international class. But it's really good just to see him back at the moment. Mm. Read your match report, but um, you know, Jonathan Joseph's not the worst thirteen as well. So no, England, England aren't great as well. short of options. You've got Elliot Daly as well. Um, it's just getting the combination right, as you yeah. say, and, um, with Slade throwing into the mix there. They've, they've got some a lot of good footballers in that back line now in the midfield, which England haven't necessarily had for you know, a decade or so uh, after the likes of Mike Catt and Greenwood, they've got guys who can put width on the ball. 
Yeah, England, ah. England are coming good, aren't they, Ella? Okay, I think um, <laughs> that, that's, that was Ella's finally <laughs> contributed to the podcast. Yeah. Thank you very much. I have to say, it has been absolutely wonderful watching Sam masterfully <laughs> multitasking here, um, doing a podcast and being a parent at the same time. <laughs> thank it, you. It, it's, um, it's something that no one else should try. Uh, ben, thank you very much for thank coming you. this afternoon. Uh, this afternoon, And uh, Sam, great to see you and we'll see you again. Definitely. Thank you for Thanks, joining Sam. the Ruck back again next week. She needs a nappy change. <laughs> <laughs> Did you record that? Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.